You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Um, Today's guest, I have Coach Reamer with me. Um, I always say that social media is a good thing. You can use it for good or bad things. Never met Coach, uh, but he reached out and said he would love to talk ball on the podcast. So I said, hey, look, I got it set up. I've been pretty busy. Um, So, Coach, if you want to introduce yourself, I got about 11 listeners. So just introduce yourself to those 11 people so they don't know who you are. (laughs) Uh, all right, so uh, my name is Jared Reamer. I coach uh, offensive line and defensive line at Cedarville High School. Uh, this is my 10th season there at that particular school. Uh, before that, I volunteered for two years at Chaffin Junior High in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And uh, I'm also the head girls track coach, uh, 7 through 12, for our school district. Well, I appreciate having you on. Um we were just talking before this that, you know, we were talking about snow and stuff. I need to move down south to get away from the snow that we might get up here in Chicago. Um, uh, you might, you, you say that. We got some mosquitoes down here that can fly away with a small kid, so. Well, I'm a big guy, so I'm, I'm not afraid of. It would take a lot of them to get me off the ground. I got you. Uh, so, every single guest I have, I ask the very first same question to everybody. Um I'm always curious how people get into coaching 
and mm. it, it's always been different. Um, I know for me, I wanted to do it since I was six, about 15, 16 years old. Um, my head coach was the reason why I wanted to. Um, so I'm always curious, you know, how did you get into coaching? Was it from playing days? Was it from a coach, a role model? Uh, you know, someone, you know, I always ask people, we lose hair in this profession. We, we get mm-hmm. gray hair. We get gray hair. So what kind of made you decide to get into coaching, you know, football or track or whatever, whichever one it was? You know, I saw the impact that um, several of my coaches and even coaches that I didn't particularly have, but were coaching at the schools that I went to. I saw the impact that they had and kind of that, uh, you know, everyone talks about the father figure um, type um, personality that certain coaches take on with these kids. And my whole thing was, you know, be the person that you would have needed when you were younger. And so that's what I try to do with all my guys, you know, like, and, 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 and I apply it to, you know, the girls that I have in track too, you know, I'll be hard on them, you know, as far as like technique and stuff like that goes. But at the end of the day, they know that they can call me or come to me with anything and I'll do whatever I have to do to try to help them. Um, and so that's kind of where I got, I, I felt like I could have more of an impact, um, you know, on their lives from a coaching standpoint versus if I was just a regular teacher and our teachers in our district do a great job being involved. You know, we're a small district, so they're very involved with, you know, the kids and all that stuff. Uh, coaching is cool because I, we literally get to see these kids from when they were in seventh grade through 12th grade, if they stay with us. So we have six years that we could be a positive influence in, you know, that young man or that young woman's life. And so that's kind of my short, long story short, kind of why I got into it. Yeah, that's a good answer. You know, we all kind of do it. But like I said, it's always interesting. I've talked to just a handful of coaches. Everyone is different. Every answer has been different, which I like. Um, so what's it like? You know, you reach out to me and said a couple of things. So you, you coach at a small school district, small schools. Um, you said, girls track from seventh grade through 12th grade, you know, to me, that's pretty small. That's not your typical nine through 12. Um, mm-hmm. So what's it like coaching at a small school like that and going through that? And I think you told me you, you guys coached football with just three coaches before, you know, Correct. So, we, we, uh, we're a three man staff for seven through 12. So how does that work? Like how do you guys as three coaches handle all that? You know, I, I have a similar thing. I've coached where there was about, maybe five or six, but there's never been mm-hmm. three. So how do you guys make that work? Like how can you guys make sure everything's done and do everything? That seems pretty difficult. It is. Um, it takes a lot of planning ahead of time just to be as efficient with stuff as we can be. You know, like I said, I'll have the offense and defensive line, um, you know, our head coach work with um, – quarterbacks and receivers with the other coach quarterbacks backs and receivers with our offense um you know like I said we're wing t offensively um you know defensively you know our defensive coordinator handles our linebackers head coach handles the secondary I have the defensive line you know so basically you know each day it'll be here you know they'll tell me here's what I want you guys to work on an individual and then we try to mesh all that together, you know, when we have our team session and stuff. Um, 
as far as track goes, I mean, it's just, uh, and we have three athletic periods. I mean, we have, you know, a junior high athletics and for us, junior high is eighth and ninth grade. And then we have a seventh grade and then we have a senior high. So it ends up working out pretty well that way for us. Um, like I said, for, for a school, our size, you know, having 35 to 45 kids on the team would be considered good numbers. Um, we've had as low as, you know, 18 bodies suiting up for practice any given week. Um, so you just got, got to kind of work around what you got uh, numbers wise um, and just try to be, like I said, as efficient as possible um, knowing that, you know, there is, um, you know, there's going to be some limited stuff. Like we don't have two defensive line or offensive line coaches or, you know, I know a couple of schools have like a, um, inside like defensive tackles coach, and then they have a defensive ends coach and then inside and outside linebackers coach. And we, you just got to get good at everything, you know, know it all kind of deal. So, in one sense, I think it helps you because you have to know everything. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, like, it's funny. It, how does coaching one side help you with the other? Like, I know guys that want to be offensive coordinators, but they coach defense. Now they coach offense. So my question always was, so you coaching defense, how does that help you on the offensive side or vice versa? Like, me being an offensive guy, I can say if they line up like this, it's because they're going to do this. Like, mm-hmm. Like from an offensive alignment perspective, if your defense alignment are doing this, it's probably because they're going to do this. Or if you have this big gap, there's a linebacker mm-hmm. probably coming. So, mm-hmm. so for you, do you? Yeah, you know, and it applies to even um, it applies to even just technique. Like, hey, most of you guys play because most of our players play both ways. I'll say, hey, what 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 is not fun for you as an offensive lineman? And they'll say, oh, when that defensive lineman gets his hands on me and I'm trying to go to a linebacker, I said, right. So don't you think it'd probably be not fun for the other team if we did that to them? And they'll have this dawning moment. And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, guys, like the same stuff that's not that fun for you is not that fun for them too. Like we can do the same stuff. And so, you know, I can tell them like, hey, you know – that if we're set in a certain way, you know, it's because we're trying to do this. So you can take that with you to when you're playing defensive line, you go, huh, he's doing this. I know what he's about to do. Right. Uh, this, not the school I'm at now, but last year I was at a school and I had to go long story short in 2018, I went to a school and I was lucky enough. I just had to help with offensive line. We had just a defensive staff and just an offensive staff. Um, then I went to a different school and I had to go back to coaching offensive line and defensive line and defensive line. I had to teach them to get extension. And they always asked me, why do I get extension? And I said, two reasons. One, you get extension. You can, you have space to be able to see where the ball is Two, that offensive lineman does not like not being close to you to block you. And, mm-hmm. and kind of the same thing. Like I kept trying to tell them, like, there's a reason why I'm teaching you this. And it's like, you don't like that as an offensive lineman. So when you're playing defense, don't you think when you go play defensive line, they're not going to like that. They're not going to like when you get extension and they're like, Oh my gosh, it makes sense now. Like a light bulb goes mm-hmm. off. Does that mean they do it? Oh, yeah. Does that mean they do it? No, but a light bulb goes off. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, exactly. And like, you know, we get kids that have long arms and like those kids, like the stab technique, the long arm technique works really well for those kids. But then we get the kids that are, 
you know, shorter and stockier where that technique probably doesn't work because by the time you can get your hand on the chest, you know, of that offensive lineman, he can already have his hands on you, you know, so that particular technique might not be for you. And that's what I've told him. Like, I'm going to teach you a bunch of different techniques so you can have multiple tools in your bag to pull from that way. You're not just stuck with the bull rush you know, or, Hey, I'm going to do the swim move. Well, but a good offensive lineman's going to figure out a swim move pretty quick, you know, and, you know, plant you into the ground. So, well, and I'm going to get off topic here. I know you got, I'll try not to stay too much off topic. I always get frustrated because they would do the swim. I hate the swim move because I said, I played offensive line. When I saw a swim move, I went right for the ribs. So, Oh Yeah. Ribs are right under the armpit. If you can, if you can get that C cup kind of, I call it the sloth claw. You know, if you can form that sloth claw with your hand and trap that tricep up in the air, I said, now you can, again, I'll show them that's day one in practice. I said, if you do this big exaggerated swim move, you better be fast because if you don't and they get you under your tricep, you can now not pull that arm down and they can run you wherever they want to run you all over the field. They can take you to grandma on the stands if they want to. Yep, and uh, it only has to happen to you once or twice, and you're like, I'm done with that. And then then they watch the NFL, and they see, like, mm-hmm. a Dwight Freeney or whatever do a, a spin move. And defensive ends, mm-hmm. I don't mind as much as a swim move, but I try to tell them from an offensive lineman perspective, I want you to do that swim move. And they said, why? And I said, because I'm going to get you in the back. If, mm-hmm. I, if I'm doing what I'm taught as an offensive lineman, I'm keeping my square stance. If I'm pass blocking or whatever, I'm going to get you. And so they never understood that. And then one time in a game, I'll never forget this past year, a, a guy did a spin move back to the inside. The guard had nobody. He blasted him. And I said, you're going to do that again? Mm-hmm. He goes, nope, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, uh, you know, they always tell you bad things happen when you leave your feet. You get someone jumping up to try to swat a ball. If you plant them down into the ground, they won't jump up anymore. You know? That kind of stuff. And I'll, I'll tell my defensive lineman, I said, hey, by your third step, if you're not bending back toward the quarterback, you're doing exactly what that tackle wants you to do. I said, you know, when I was a tackle, if you want to run yourself upfield, awesome. I'm just there to make sure you stay that way. I don't even really have to touch you on that play. You've run yourself out of the play. Right. And then it was easier when I would just coach offensive line because I only had to teach them that stuff. When you're coaching both, it's like, the light bulb won't go off for a while. It's like, don't you realize that you don't like this? So why do it? Like, it, but mm-hmm. that, but that's why we coach, and you know. Oh yeah, and I think the hardest thing is like we coach aggression. Like, hey, you gotta be off the ball fast. You gotta, you know, fire out and get your hands inside. You know, you know, have your gap containment and all this stuff. But then you've got to try to also, oh, by the way, they're going to try to use that aggression against you and set up what's called a screen. And so we give them cues like if that guy's been mauling you or trying to maul you all game, and then all of a sudden you turn into Aaron Donald for one play and they they don't even – it's like they didn't even try to block you. There's probably a reason why. Like don't chase the quarterback. That's what he wants you to do. Like, you know – Retrace your steps, find find a back, you know, do something. But don't just run blindly upfield. Oh, that that was the, the, the biggest thing this year for defense line was firing out doesn't mean just getting your hands up and getting on. You gotta take a step, get your hands on them. That was the big thing. 
Second mm-hmm. thing was, like you just said, don't fly up the field. If, if they don't block you, and that's what we're going back to the main point of, if they don't block you once in a while, it's because they messed up. I said, but more often mm-hmm. than not, they're not blocking you for a reason. So get two, I tell them to take, I used to tell them two yards, but that was too much. I said, if you get two steps up the field, then that's where the technique comes in. But, you know, I have an offensive lineman. There's times where we don't block you. That's because we screwed up. But then we fix it. And then the moment we fix it, you're going to get screwed as a defensive lineman. We tell our – I tell our backside ends, I was like, guys, they did not forget about you. If that tackle that you're on, if he down blocks and doesn't touch you and you don't get an immediate kick out by a guard, I said, they didn't forget about you. Like, someone's coming to get you. So you better have your eyes up and be ready to go. Because if you don't, like, you're going to get cartwheeled. And if you get cartwheeled, like, you, I mean, you're out of the game and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, just training them to use their eyes, too, as well as their hands and, you know, not standing straight up, quit peeking in the backfield. I mean, it, it's just – it's the same stuff everywhere, you know, from what I found, you know, talking with other coaches, you know, on Twitter and whatever. Like, everyone has the same coaching cues pretty much and – you know, the same problems, like quit peeking in the backfield, do your job, check your gap first. You don't have the sweep. You know, are you really going to run down that 4-4 four, four kid running the sweep? Probably not, you know. Right. It's it's just funny because then on the flip side as an offensive lineman, like you're trying to teach them, like, you don't like – we just touch stuff on defense. So when they try to get extension, this is how you battle this or hit their hand, arm down or, or whatever – and so mm-hmm. it was funny how Do you, the little doing the little arm snatch, you know, if they try to long arm you and stuff like that. Yeah, get that forklift or like we call it the forklift. If they're outside, bring your hands in, kick it out. Mm-hmm. I call it a forklift. Like you're going to come in with the pads and get them up. Um, so, no, it's all good stuff. Um, oh, yeah. And we, we p- teaching patience for the offensive linemen, too, on a pass set you know, is, is hard, you know, because their first instinct is they want to, they, you know, especially if you're a tackle and you've got an athletic defensive end, you know, they want to throw their hands as fast as possible. Like wait until he gets close enough to do it. Just keep, you know, keep your relationship, you know, keep your shoulder squared, keep, you know, what we've trained you to do. And then, you know, just adjust from there, like read and react. Right. You know, some 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 concepts, obviously, we're starting the fight early. I mean, we're going to jump at you and, you know, try to engage you quick. Other times it's like, you know, on like a five step drop, like, well, I don't want to run right at you because if you do a swim move or a rip or, a, you know, a spin or something like that to an inexperienced lineman, you're going to be past me in a hurry. Right. And not to talk bad about the team I had, it was just a lot of fixing, you know, our tackles didn't get the concept and you correct me if I'm wrong. If you have an outside defensive end and you're an offensive tackle, you got a, a wide five tech or whatever, they're coming up the field. Our guys wanted to open up, turn their shoulders to them like in peewee football. And I said, you can't just turn your shoulders that way. And they said, why? And I said, cause they're going to see that they're going to rip back inside and beat you cause you're off balance or they're going oh, yeah. to they're going to blitz somebody cause now your backs to them and they're not going to be able to see and so, if you get your shoulders turned, like you said, they're just going to use that club and club your near shoulder and just beat you back to the inside. Now they got a shorter path to the quarterback. And we just couldn't get that. Yeah. You know, I told them to take that huge 
kick step back. And they said, well, I might be off balance. I said, no, if you keep your feet staggered, you're going to be fine. And well, how can I stop him? I said, listen, as an offensive tackle, if you take that big kick step, get your, even just your, if you're the right tackle, your right hand out, drive him to the sideline. Well, it's a pass block. I said, I don't care. Drive him to the sideline, get him some popcorn, get him a Coke. You know, he's doing, mm-hmm. he's doing you a favor doing that. And I said, if you keep moving your feet and keep him wide, the quarterback is going to step up and you're going to be fine. Um, but they go back to old stuff. It, I call it muscle memory. They're going to churn and open up their shoulders to the sideline. And I told him, if you ever, <laughs> now, mm-hmm. and I told him, and I always told him this, if you do the kick step first, you're fighting them. And eventually you start to do that. That's fine. But the original fight has to be stay square. You know, don't turn towards the sideline. Now, if you eventually do that, that's fine. Because by that time, hopefully four seconds has gone by. I understand. And, mm-hmm. ev- and eventually it started to like click because I told him as a defensive end, they want you to do that because they're going to club or spin or do whatever. If you say square and fight them, that's uncomfortable for that defensive end. And he's not going to know what to do. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I think a big key that, you know, some people miss out on is just that staggered foot relationship, you know, so if you're the right tackle, most of the time your right hand's going to be down, right foot's back, keeping that right foot in a relationship with that defensive end as he's moving to where it is splitting him down the middle and then having a strong inside hand present to where you're basically telling them you don't want to come in here, you know, like funnel them to the outside where if they do beat you, you know, they're having to take the longest path possible, you know, to the quarterback. And I mean, we've even gone as far as to like draw it up. Like, okay, like, let's say he beat you in here. Let's measure. How far does he have to go to get to our quarterback? Uh, Not very far. Okay, well, what if he has to go all the way around you because you've maintained, you know, that leverage, you have a strong inside hand, all that. Like, let's measure this big loop. Oh, it's like twice as far. That gives our quarterback more time, you know, and the route has time to develop, et cetera. Yeah, it's – again, I apologize. We got off topic. Um, But, yeah, you know, it's just interesting how you – when you actually lay it out and show them each side of it, from coaching each side of it, you're able to do that. If you have always just coached offensive line or just defensive line, you know what to do. But when you have both perspectives, I think you could be more successful. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, we're going to move on. We're going to off topic. This could be a whole other (laughs) – no other episode. We could be here for two hours. Uh (laughs) So we were talking just before um, COVID kind of changed everything, but you guys have been lucky mm-hmm. enough to play. So what is the season for you guys? Is it still a full season or is it a shortened season? Like in Illinois, we're going to only have seven games. So what's it look like for you guys down there? So right now uh, everything is going to go on as normal from my understanding. Um, the only hiccup, that is really kind of thrown in there is if a team has to cancel due to COVID-19 concerns, either a kid's tested positive or has had close contact or a coach or something like that, the game gets changed to a no contest. So they will not play that week, but it doesn't penalize the team. So it gets changed to a no contest. Like the game was never played. And then there's all different, like kind of like the, uh, playoff uh, tiebreaker, you know, the algorithm that they use on like points for points against, you know, stuff like that. There's a whole system that you can use to configure seedings 
um, for playoffs if a conference was to, uh, let's say, a team in our conference had to miss two games because of it and they couldn't play their full conference schedule, you know, we would go to those new directives to figure out seedings as far as playoffs went. Um, but as far as we know, um, I mean, we're going to have normal, a regular season, and we're going to have um, normal playoffs as much as, you know, possible. Oh, like I said to BK, I need to move to the south because we're starting to play until February. Uh, I need to get out, get out of this stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll try to only ask maybe two more questions here. So I know you got to go. Um, I have an odd question for you. I've asked a couple guys that have coached offensive mm-hmm. line. So when I came up to the suburbs, every offseason, not a ton of coaches. I'm not saying I'm a hot commodity or this big-time offensive line coach by any means. But I've made connections, and they would reach out to me and say, hey, I want to talk to you about coaching, and I'd listen. And it's always I need an offensive line guy. It's never I need mm-hmm. a receiver guy. I need a quarterback guy. It's always an offensive line guy. So during this quarantine, I started to think, you know, and let me know if I'm losing my mind. Um, I was like, is there a shortage of offensive line guys? Like, is are, do, do people not want to coach the big boys anymore? You know, and a, and a coach told me this the other day. He said, if you think about it, way back when, offensive coordinators were offensive line guys, and now they're quarterback coaches. And so – you know, you're not seeing a lot of offensive line coaches be offensive coordinators and stuff anymore. So is there a shortage of offensive line coaches or do people not want to put in the work to be an offensive line coach? Because it takes a lot of work. I think – I don't think there's necessarily a shortage. I think, like, I know from a personal uh, experience that, uh, you know, I thought I knew some stuff, you know, coming out of college. Like, yeah, I know, you know, I know what I'm talking about. And then, like I said, getting to that volunteer job where now you're having to know what all five people are supposed to do against any given front. It, I mean, it was an eye opener, you know, as far as what I didn't know. And I think every coach goes through that, you know, in their first year or so, you know, um, like, oh, hey, here you go. You think you're hot stuff. Here's what you don't know. Like, you don't even know what you don't know. And so I think they are looking more for quality, like guys that are going to get you fundamentally sound, um, you know, because you can take basically good fundamentals. Um, you know, um, I know around here, um, Jared Conrad, work some really good stuff with uh, his trench mafia guys over in Oklahoma. Um, you got the OLP guys. Uh, you got fist football up kind of by your area that's uh, doing stuff. You got the five is one guys out in Cali. Uh, you know, it's you're, I think if you can find a coach that can train you basic principles, basic uh, fundamental movements, as far as being powerful in positions you can translate it to any offense that you want, you know, and there are certain things that you can do technique wise, even just stance wise, I believe that generate, you know, more power out of your stance. You know, we've been using, or I've been using some of the OLP stuff with, uh, from La Charles Bentley with my linemen, just as far as getting in their initial stance set up. And I've noticed it's made us faster off the ball 
you know, just, just immediately off the snap and I'll, you know, use the cues that, you know, he'll give like, you know, getting in your stance, you should feel it in your hamstrings, not your quads. If you feel it in your quads, you're not, you know, set up to generate power. You know, that's really helped us. So I think when you get guys that can specialize in just one thing and like they're really good at it, you know, I might, you know, bounce ideas off those guys and like, hey, what do you guys think about this? Or I'm running into this problem. What would you suggest we do? You know, and I can send game film and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I kind of I kind of rambled a little bit there, I know, but. I think more OC guys, head coaches are looking for guys that are going to, you know, my offensive linemen are going to be fundamentally sound no matter what scheme we run. And that's really what they're looking for, someone that can teach them those fundamentals to where, you know, you could go from a spread to a wing tee to a split back beer, and that same skill set is going to translate. The scheme changes, but the skill set is still there. Right now, I, I ramble on, so don't worry. I ramble on. It happened already. I, I ramble on. It's fine. Um, no, I, you know, I know saying shortage isn't the right way to go about it, but it's quarantine. I'm losing my mind. Um, it's just, um, all right. So last thing, and then can get you out of here. Um, I've had coaches on here to talk to me about the wing tee, and on, mm-hmm. on, you know, on social media, you see guys hate on each other because they run the spread or they run an under center offense. Um, mm-hmm. I personally like my spread. I'm a spread guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll spread you. I can run it too. Um, so what I want you to do is sell me on the wing tee. Why would I still run the wing tee? Try to convert me. So, guys. so here's, so here's my selling point for the wing tee. <clears throat> and it wasn't something that we ran in high school and it wasn't something we ran the first two years that, uh, you know, I was helping out at that junior high. We were definitely more of like a spread team. Um, we were spread for my first two or three years at Theaterville, you know, because it fit our kids that we had at the time. And our head coach at the time did not want to run the spread. He hated the spread. But he looked around and realized that we had a really good quarterback and we had a really good better receivers. And he said, well, I'd be stupid if I didn't use it. So here's my selling point on the wing tee. You are not dependent on having a superstar quarterback every year. It, it helps a whole lot if you have a quarterback that's pretty good because now teams can't cram nine in the box against you. Uh, number two, it is very difficult with all the misdirection and motion and stuff to recreate with a scout team in one week. Uh, it's similar to like – prepping for a flex bone team like army, you know, like army and Navy, it's a night, it would be a nightmare to try to prep for them, you know, in one week. Um, Number three, you can have smaller offensive linemen. And in fact, it is almost an advantage to have some smaller, more athletic offensive linemen um, in the wing T because we, there's so much scooping to a linebacker, and having to move in space versus just grabbing a hold of a guy and trying to move him somewhere against his will. Um, and then there's multiple, multiple formations you can throw out of the wing T. Uh, I mean, look at what uh, Malzahn has done at Auburn. 
when you really break it down, it's a wing T offense. But if you just watch him on TV, it looks like it's spread because he'll have doubles to each side and then he'll send someone in like a rocket motion and then they'll stop at like a wing spot. And then, you know, it's a bunch of smoke and mirror stuff. Um, so we can use a lot of motions and a lot of formations to run very few plays at you. Um, those would be my biggest selling points is, you know, you don't have to have a stud at QB. It does help, obviously, just like, you know, it helps having a stud at running back. Uh, you don't have to have giant offensive linemen. Um, and we rule block, you know, and I'm sure there's spread offenses that rule block, you know, like, you know, hey, we're running outside zone. I'm taking, you know, three steps to my right or left. You know, if I can't overtake or bump off the next guy, then I'm going to climb kind of deal. You know, ours are more, you know, concrete as far as our rules go. But what we tell them is if you follow your rule, it does not matter what defense they throw at you up front. If you follow your rule, we'll be fine. And you'll run into someone and you'll block the guy that you're supposed to block. No, uh, I'm a guy that loves all offenses. Like, you know, I'll try on the Navy game tonight and watch it. Um, you know, so I'm the guy that loves all offenses. So I don't really – you know, I don't really sit here and get those arguments. But, uh, you know, one thing I do like about the wing T stuff is very, like you said, it's very concrete. It's very simple. They have rules. They have the if-then situations. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so if they do this, you're going to do this. And, you know, people don't know or refuse to admit this. That's kind of where Mike Leach and Hal Money came up with their air raid stuff from BYU throwing the ball around. And then they looked at the wing T philosophy and said, well, they have the offense situation. So in air raid terms, you know, if they do this, we do this. Like if we run mesh and they do this, we're going to run shallow with a dig behind. So they're, you know, they're coming up on the mesh. Like, you know, it's that if then situation. Um, mm -hmm. so I yeah, like if they're, if they're jumping the short, you know, if they're jumping the shallow route, then, you know, we're going to throw the dig because the dig's going to be wide open. If they're jumping the shallow, that means no one's there for him. You know, that, that well, kind of deal. And, uh, Mike Leach's uh, his key screens actually come from like rocket tosses and stuff because he, in his mind, it's no different than when you turn around and toss it to the running back. He's to him, it's what's the difference between that and me getting the ball, turning and throwing it to the receiver really quick. To him, it's the same thing. Um, so they all feed off each other. Um, but you know, and, and, and like you, I've seen I've seen the arguments back and forth, and most of the time I just sit back and watch with my popcorn and watch those guys just try to duke it out back and forth online. And you know, to me, you run what fits your kids, you know, and what fits our kids right now at our school is the wing T for sure. Um, and it's you know we've had a couple of successful groups back to back that are now juniors and seniors. Uh, we had an all state. Uh, running back he's a running back now last year he was a fullback as a sophomore that rushed for over 1500 yards um you know so that our system the system that is in place kind of plays to the strengths of our kids right now and like i said i think you know i think everyone's like spread concepts are slightly different you know some teams are you know more you know the Lincoln Riley type, you know, that you're, you're seeing a lot more RPO type stuff, you know, creep its way into high school ball. Um, 
But if you go from defending spread, spread, spread to where all of a sudden now, hey, you've got a wing T and they're going to do a bunch of orbit motion and they're going to do, you know, a bunch of shifts and overloads and stuff like that. It's just hard to prep for because I've been on the other side of it trying to prep for a flexbone team. It's just so hard to prep for it and get your scout team to run it as fast as it's going to hit in a real life game. You know, you can practice split back beer all you want to, but it hits different when that's what you, you know, that when you make your money on the split back beer, it hits at a different speed than what everyone else is used to, you know, and just getting them ready for that is, in my opinion, more difficult versus, um, you know, traditional spread team. And I'm not knocking spread at all. You know, there's spread teams that are nightmares to prep for because of all the different route combos that they can do. And, you know, the kind of like you said, the if-then situations on if we get cover three or if we get cover two, then we're going to check to this. You know, there's a bunch of hurry up, no huddle, check with me on the sideline, you know, that'll get you. So, um but that, that's kind of my selling point on what we do. You know, you don't have to have giants up front. Don't have to have a stud quarterback. You rule block, you know. Well, you made a and good argument. Yeah, you, everything you said was right. You made a good argument. I think I'm still spread. But I like A for effort. A for effort. <laughs> and, you, and you can – and that's why we've told some spread guys, like, you can, you can incorporate some wing T concepts into your spread. You know, oh, like the GT that sure. everyone runs, the power is not that far off from what a buck sweep really is because it's a pin and pull. You're just pulling the backside guard and tackle instead of pulling both guards. But it's oh. the same kind of concept. Yeah, for sure. I, I know, always or people or people are using H backs now a lot, like cross blocking across the formation. Oh, you for know, sure. So you're seeing some of that influence kind of creep in a little bit. And there are teams that will spread you out to run the ball on you. Broken Arrow being, you know, one of the ones recently on TV that put on a clinic. They're going to spread you out to run at you. So, Nope, I agree. I always said uh, if I want to run a certain run concept and I want to learn it, I'm going to contact a wing T guy and figure it out. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what we all need to do. Um, well, Coach, the last section I always just leave for the coaches. So if there's any final thoughts you have, go right ahead. Do what? This last section, I just let coaches talk. You know, uh, if you have any final thoughts before we get off of here, the floor is yours. Anything you want to get off your chest, this is your therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think everyone, uh, at least in our state, from what I've seen online, has done a really good job as far as following the guidelines set forth by the Department of Health and our governing body, the AAA. Um, I would encourage people in our states, not, not only in our state, but other states, if you want to have a full football season and you want to have, you know, things see, kind of go back to normal while keeping things as safe as possible, you have to follow the guidelines, whether you want to or not. You cannot pull your mask down to coach a kid up on the sideline. You know, you cannot be around large groups of kids, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So I think everything that I've seen in our state, for the most part, 
um, or I'd say the majority of stuff that I've seen some, some I can't, you know, I can't really tell, you know, because there's a huddle. Um, but it looks like everyone in our state is doing their very best to follow the guidelines. And that's why we've been able to maintain our play through, uh, I mean, we started with a benefit game. So technically we've played two full games and a half of a game, uh, for our scrimmage game. And the only way we've been able to do that so far is people have been following the guidelines. So for you states like yours who haven't started yet, I would say just make sure everyone's following the guidelines, be really stringent on the social distancing in the stands. I mean, we've had to limit tickets and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, outside of that, um, you know, man, I just enjoy – talking online play, get on the hog football chat, all that stuff. If anyone wants to connect, my Twitter handles at Coach Reamer. Um, I'm usually on there. I'm always down to talk some football with you guys, whether, you know, you're a spread guy or an air raid guy or, you know, whatnot. Really doesn't matter. Football's football to me. So I like I like picking people's brains too, just like, you know, someone might be curious about what we do, you know. Um, but – I guess that's my biggest takeaway is if you would like a full season, um, follow your state's guidelines. You know, they're not optional. They are mandatory. So just do that, and hopefully you guys will get a full season in, or at least what, what your state association allows. Well, I appreciate all your time. Like you said, uh, everybody out there, just wash your hands, wear your mask. If we do that stuff – Regardless of what you're thinking out there, guys, we'll get through it. We got to get back to some normalcy. Um, you know, so coach, good luck to everybody on their season down there. I'm very jealous. I need to move south. I get it. Um, so, again, appreciate you on here. Everybody out there listening, I'll see you on the next one. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.